On this week's IGN UK podcast, he's now adapting the twits into a 24-hour art installation. I'd start watching Neighbours if they had dinosaurs in it. Oh, when is Holly Willie be coming on? Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I'm Stuart Reid. This week, I'm joined by Daniel Kruper. Hello, everyone. Tom Butler. Hi. And Chris Tilley. Bonjour. Uh, we're going to be doing the usual stuff. Uh, we've got an interesting talking point this week about uh, Jurassic Park. Get in. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. And uh, we're also going to be talking about... Uh, the so-called list of the greatest films ever made. Interesting. But first, uh, let's uh, find out what everybody's been up to. Chris, what have you been up to this week? I went to that there Olympics. Did you? Yeah, I went to the Olympics last night. It was brilliant. Yeah? It was brilliant. What did you go watch? I went and saw some hockey. Uh, that wasn't so brilliant. But it was in the Olympic Park, so just wandering around. It was like being in Disneyland or something. Everyone was really happy. Everyone was having a good time. Everyone was really friendly. I was in the crowd. Were you in, in London? Off- <laughs> it felt like some oasis of friendliness. Yeah. Uh, I think you mean East London. <laughs> yeah, but don't you think you're in Stratford? I fucking hell, I've nice. been there. It's a shithole. Don't you think all of London's been a bit nicer this week, though? It it's has. been quiet. It's been lovely. It's been really quiet. How really have they quiet. simultaneously held the biggest sporting event in the world and emptied the whole of London out? How is it's confusing because I know the odd person that's left town because they were saying, "Oh, it's going to be a nightmare." Because they're an odd person, and but that's not that many people, and yet the tubes are empty. I know. The streets are empty. I don't get it. But uh, you had a good time. Who won the hockey? Uh, Germany beat South Korea. And that was quite good fun because I think most of the uh, crowd was nonplussed about who won. So everyone was supporting South Korea. Sorry, just opening my beer. <laughs> Can you not open stuff when we're talking? <laughs> <laughs> so South Korea. Yeah, South Korea lost to Germany and then Pakistan beat Spain, I think. Is hockey a big sport in the Olympics? It's quite big. Is it? It's like the... Because yeah. it... it we were talking about this the other day. If you win the hockey, is that like the pinnacle for hockey? I think so, yeah. Whereas in other sports, it isn't the pinnacle, but for hockey, it kind of is. There's a Hockey World Cup, but I couldn't tell you who won that, but generally, you generally know who's won the hockey. This Olympics. is a hockey podcast this week. The Hotcast. The Hock. The Puckcast. Hockey. No, wait, that's ice hockey, isn't it? My mum said, when are they going to be doing the synchronised skating? And I'm mum, a, a mum, that's the Winter Olympics. You have to wait for the pool to freeze over. That's dancing on ice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, when's Holly Willoughby coming on? Hey. Oh, when is Holly Willoughby coming on? Um, anyway. But anyway, I just wanted to say that. So we talk about films and games. <laughs> I could yeah. do. What's, has anybody else been up to anything interesting this week? No. no. Well, I've got some news. It's an update on the Hobbit 3 story. So I guess the speculation was rife last week that they were going to do a Hobbit 3. I think I was the only one that wanted them to, but I was the only one that thought they weren't going to do it. But <laughs> well, they I'm are already confused. It. Wait, um, so you're happy but not happy? I am happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I had nothing against. You were happy, doing. but you were wrong. Yes. Yeah. Peter right. Jackson's released a statement on Facebook saying, um, "It is only at the end of a shoot that you finally get the chance to sit down and have a look at the film you have made." Recently, Fran, Phil, and I did just that when we watched for the first time an early cut of the first movie and a large chunk of the second. We were really pleased with what the way the story was coming together, in particular the strength of the characters and the cast who have brought them to life, all of which gave rise to a simple question. Do we take this chance to tell more of the tale? And the answer from our perspectives as the filmmakers and as fans was an unreserved yes. So there we go. Mm, mm. A couple of interesting points in that statement. Tom kind of pulled his face when he said that the only time you get to see the film is once you've finished it. Yeah, no, you write a script and it tells you how long it's going to be. Mm, no. But yes. No. no. Yes. That never happens. But you have you a write good, a script and it, yeah, it gives no, you an idea of how long you, it's going it to be you an idea, and what the story is. No, but it gives you, you don't put I- a break point in the middle of it and go, oh, well, that could be two movies if and, you want. And his, and his point about... Oh, you but, always shoot so much more than you ever put into a film. Always. Not necessarily. Yes, no. you do. Almost all the time. No, because if you're shooting... like You have a what they call a shooting ratio right so you yeah. shoot so much to how much goes into the film yeah. I just think he's just gone overboard I just think he's out of control do you know what I think it is as well I think is he shooting digitally with this yeah and 3D 60 yeah. frames per second I mean how many frames do you want like, <laughs> more ridiculous more. amount and, and what's the what's the point he says Chris he says something about like he sees the strength of the characters or something the strength of the characters and the cast but, who have brought them to life but won't the, the strength of those characters be based on a film two films well, won't yeah. that be diluted necessarily by introducing a third film? I don't know. So we're, uh, look, so we're looking at Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. And then the third one, Tom, it's going to be a map in appendices and footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good map in a book. Um, is, he, is he doing this just, to, just because he wants to do another trilogy then? Is that really it? I think he, what he did after The Lord of the Rings, he realised that he can't make other films anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and if he does, they're shit. Yeah. 
It's so the Lucas, know, Lucas stick, syndrome, isn't stick it? Stick to what you know, Peter. I hope not. I hope not. Well, I mean, Warner Brothers, obviously, this is a cash cow for them now. Yeah. Batman's finished. Harry, po- Harry Potter's finished. Harry Potter's finished. They're many? probably gently saying to him, it'd be nice if you gave us one more of these. Go on, give us one. That's the next three Christmases. I mean, I'm happy oh, because... What? No, no. It's not three Christmases, is it? No, I, I'm disappointed by this. Um, so the first film's coming out December, the next film next December, and then the third film, summer after that. No. But it's going to feel wrong, that, isn't it? If they've done five I'm, Lord of the Rings movies at Christmas. I'm really not sure how, like, just from a very practical standpoint, how have they done this? Surely he's shot the movie, shot the book. So how are they going to spin it out? Are they going to go back and film more scenes to insert into what they've already seen? Are they making it from footage they've already recorded? No, they're going to go and shoot more. That was that was the last thing. The last uh, update was that they were going to go and shoot for a couple more months. Yeah. But now. It's not a particularly long book, is it? No. Well, I think what was always said was they were shooting The Hobbit and then they were going to shoot a bridging film that uh, that told the story between what happened in The Hobbit and what happened in so Lord of the Rings. Fleshing out. Fleshing out from, from, from side various- notes, footnotes, songs, things like that from the book. Okay. So there is a massive rich history, but I just, I don't know, it just seems very cynical to me and um, it just seems like Peter Jackson's just running wild mm. with what he wants to do. Like King Kong, I mean, that was like, how 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 long was the original Getting King off, Kong? Oh, oh like three, an hour and a half. Uh, not even that, probably, like oh, 70 minutes or something. Yeah. And he made it into a three-hour film that was Shit. fucking turgid. Yeah, really turgid. So turgid. So it, it doesn't turd. bode well, personally. And also Lovely Bones, that was quite a short, slender book and a great book. And he just turned that into just a trudge fest. It was he's, he's, he's now adapting the twits into a 24-hour art installation. <laughs> It's about finding food in an old man's beard. <laughs> He's lost it, but you know Warner Brothers is going to back him. Yeah. I bet it's going to be good. <laughs> I, I think he'll be good, but it's just... Of course it, it might be. Of course if he be makes good. three films as good as the original three films, then... It's a high benchmark, though. That's really high, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, true. But he's got the advantage of Lucas of having source material rather than just fudging it. Okay. Yeah, and he, he's better with a script, and isn't he? I think. And he's better. <laughs> he's just better. He's How long better. do you reckon these movies are going to be? I think they're going to be long, aren't they? They're going to be two hours each, at least. At least. I, yeah. I'm surprised the first half of it. It's going to be three hours. I'm getting close to three hours. There's a pod race in the first one. <laughs> um, how long was... Uh, how Jar Jar Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's gold. Right. That's a Photoshop job. All right. Moving on. More news. Ooh, serious news. It's about a British legal institution. Brilliant. So, you know, entertainment podcast. Um, beginning of the week, Monday this week in Britain, um, the PEGI ratings, which are the European, pan-European game information board, their ratings are now being passed into British law and can be enforced with a fine of either up to £5,000 or six months in prison. Mm-hmm. If you sell a game um, to, uh, to a minor. So previously, only the 18 certificate... Um, distributed by the BBFC was enforceable and now it's why are you laughing Tom uh, well you know there's one question that I've got to ask and it's just what does it mean uh, what does it mean what do you mean what does it mean I, I'm well, wondering why uh, what's I'm feeling sorry for the miners why don't they get to yeah, watch films exactly. they, they work all day in the cold I know the Chilean miners so the Peggy, <laughs> they didn't watch anything for months the Peggy ratings have been on game boxes for a long time right yeah so it's, Peggy's Peggy been team. Peggy's been around since 2003 and it was part of a drive. The game industry wanted their own rating system instead of having to appropriate one that was originally designed for censoring films or classifying films. But it was it wasn't it didn't have any sort of legal purchase in the UK. Okay, so it was a guideline. Yeah. But then you had some weird, confusing situations where a box or a game would be rated by by both agencies, and would have there'd be massive disparity between the two ratings. For example, Mass Effect. 3. This is the most conspicuous one, Mass Effect, which the BBFC passes a twelve, but Peggy passes an eighteen. So there's a massive gulf between mm, those two ratings. Yeah. So a game that was previously playable by anyone twelve and under, over. if Peggy twelve and under, a uh, twelve and over. 12 and over, sorry. Yeah. Um, the first Mass Effect. Shut up, Stuart. Didn't say anything. Just get back to drinking your beer. Uh, it's now, now can't be applied by those people if it was released again. Interesting. Um, what if you went and um, bought a second-hand copy? 
So, what, so the disparity is because of this weird way that they rate games. Is that yeah, correct? The, the, the major difference, and this is the important thing, is the BBFC um, take context into consideration when they're rating a film or a game. So different treatments of violence or whatever it is, swearing, it, it's contextual. And I, I think it's a mitigating factor when they're rating a movie. Whereas Peggy have this very straight, very inflexible questionnaire. And if something has um, a scene where some uh, an innocent person is killed, it's automatically an 18. No matter what the situation is. So it's automatically an 18. So it's, it's very hard. It's, you know, there's kind of middle tier titles, like something like Spider-Man, where there might be a little bit of violence, but even though it's comic booky violence, yeah. that would get boosted up into the next sort of age category under Peggy where BBFC would take into account that it's taking place in a comic book world so you'd probably get like a 12 instead right. of a 16 I think the BBC, BBFC is obviously a very well respected sort of board I think that's probably fair to say isn't it mm. and their rating system has worked for a long time right on on, on films as well as uh, as video games yeah. yeah and here's the thing as we're moving towards an era where games as entertainment are becoming much more like films yeah. So it would make sense to have them both rated by the same board. Yeah. But is the issue here? I mean, can you with with the BBFC? Can you get fined for selling eighteen certificate films to minors? I think you can. Yeah. You can actually get. You can get fined. Yeah. You can get sent. Right. Okay. So what? I don't know why they had to bring in a separate. This is a European-European entity, isn't um, it? Yeah. The games industry wanted this. Originally, um, sort of a few years ago, about four years ago, and the government commissioned a report by this woman, this TV psychologist. She's a psychologist prior to being on TV. And um, she recommended that they sort of, um, the BBFC was used, their rating system was used. But there was a fear that the BBFC wouldn't have been able to cope with the extra demand of racing every video game. Right. And really kind of overseeing that properly. It would like divide their attention. And this counts for DLC as well, I suppose. Interesting. Well, I think it does. But there was a weird loophole where the BBFC couldn't enforce their ratings on DLC because it wasn't released on a physical disc. So wow. the Video Recordings Act of 1984 wouldn't let them enforce ratings because it didn't exist. Whoa. So a downloadable game like Fairs or Minecraft that would never have a rating. I think they might have rated them, but it's not enforceable. This right. is an absolute it's, legal minefield, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because, well, technology is outstripping the law and it's it's trying to catch up. Yeah. And, the re and another reason why they moved to Peggy was the games industry wanted it to happen. They didn't want to use the BBFC certificates. Well, I guess and it's it fair because that's one rating for the whole of Europe as opposed to a one rating for Britain, another one for Ireland, mm. another one for Scandinavia, etc. And, et cetera, et cetera. and it was feared without um, the support of Britain that the Peggy as a sort of a, uh, as an institution could collapse. Right. Without our kind of backing. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the main response to when we posted the story and when it went on Facebook was that that people will, parents will still buy uh, over overage games for their children. Mm. Regardless, people will still mm. be able to pick up Modern mm. Warfare 3 or people will still buy their, their well, underage children. But there was a comment, Warfare. I think, on IGN UK Facebook about someone who said they worked at HMV and they've right. been retrained in the last few weeks. But this is, so my, this they, is what leads me on. Oh, right. How are they going to re-educate uh, the, the consumers and the shop staff? Is that actively happening? I mean, I'd love to hear from yeah, if you work in a game there's store. There's like or pros HMV. and cons because like, obviously parents are more familiar probably with the BBFC ratings. And there was some weird, because you had this coexistence of two systems, you, you had these ludicrous situations where parents actually thought the Peggy ratings on the back of a box were an indicator of the game's difficulty what oh my god because it was like 16 plus and if they thought their child their 12 year old was a really proficient capable gamer they were going oh yeah my son can play this game even though it's an 18 because right. he's really good at games um so i think there's a lot of naivety out there but yeah i think if you asked the average person on the street and pointed out the, the rating on the back and asked them i, I think you, that would be the main response would be well i don't know it's difficulty or what to expect from yeah. the game. Uh, and some um, of the icons, the Peggy icons, almost they are relating to content, but not maybe in a classification way. It just says like a spider for fear, and you might be like, oh, is it just like, tell me what genre it yeah. is? And, uh, yeah, because yeah, I mean, you, you look at the back of the box and you see how many players and things like that are in the yeah. game. Like you can, It shows two, four, whatever. And some of the... They're quite similar. Peggy symbols are quite ambiguous. Like the one that says um, it has sexual content is like the, the gender symbols. Right. But some parents think that means it's suitable for boys and yeah, girls. Yeah. The one for discrimination looks like multiplayer. Yeah. Um, and it's spider for fear. Yeah. 
Yeah, to be honest, you know, I'm, you, I'm the non-gamer here, really. That would confuse me if I saw a spider on the back yeah, of it. Yeah, it's almost... Yeah. I mean, literally, I would I would also think, there's spiders in this game. Maybe yeah, it means... No, no, stupid, no, no but, totally. totally. You'd think it, I, I'd think it meant that there was web content. I love spiders, web I'm content. getting this one. Yeah. So it is uh, Spider-Man, to be fair. Content. It's Spider-Man. Uh, so, as a parent, uh, I think that the, the issue you're going to have here is that there will be... Lazy parents that just want to shut their kids up and will buy them whatever the fuck they want. And you're never going to get around that. Yeah. You're never going to get around yeah. that. No or, amount of education will, will get or, you around that. Or if you're a clever kid, you, mani- you manipulate your parents. Yeah. I remember my mum always used to fancy uh, Robert De Niro <laughs> and that enabled me to get her to rent some really adult films that I should not have been watching at the age of 10. But yeah, oh, this is the one reason I did. I did, this, I did this yeah. all the time, and it's peer yeah. pressure that a child like would receive at school as well. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's peer pressure of the playground as well. Of course, it is. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I can't see. I, I don't see any really. But uh, maybe this is going to be enforceable unless you, you know, unless you're actually going to go in and. Because I mean, with, at least you know, it stops them many, buying many... games themselves. Maybe. Well, yeah, but, but well, they'll just borrow them off their mates. They'll borrow them off their mates whose parents don't give a shit. Or go around and play it at the. Or go around house, and yeah. play it yeah. at their mates. To house. a degree, that's happened for years. Like I did that as a kid, borrowing DVDs and like horror movies, pornographic and stuff. magazines. <laughs> that too. Every everybody does it, and you know, when you think about even when you get down to the console level, how many parents enforce the 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 uh, age uh, block on the on the consoles? Nobody. Well, they probably don't ask you, but do you think this this is going to change? Because you'll have a generation, next right. generation of parents will be game literate. Yeah, game savvy, yeah. Yeah. And internet savvy, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Shall we move away from the anyway, most boring story we've talked about? <laughs> oh, Tom. It's interesting. Oh, when you talk news was. night, Tom, this is all fucking bollocks. Let's talk about the motherfucking X-Men. So X-Men uh, uh, 2, X-Men First Class 2, we have some news from Brian Singer himself. He's yep. obviously he the wrote producer. in UK feedback. He did. E- exclusive. Scoop. Scoop. Um, he is the producer of the X-Men films, including X-Men First Class, and he was asked whilst promoting Jack and the... Uh, is it called Jack and the Giant Killer? Or Jack the Giant Killer? Yeah, I don't think he was promoting that. Oh, was he it not? It looked like it was a TV series with an H in it. That, that was in the background. All right, we don't know what he was promoting, but uh, we took the moment to ask him about um, X-Men First Class 2, as they're calling it, I guess. That's not um, an unwieldy title at all, is it? <laughs> well, as it's intended to be titled. So he says, it's being... The the sequel is being written right now. We're going to start shooting in a few months, but I don't know the start date. It's going to be very ambitious, and it's called Days of Future Past. Now, if anyone is a fan of the X-Men, they know that this is a very, very famous story arc from 1981, which happened around the same time as the Dark Phoenix saga, and it's it's often cited as one of the best X-Men storylines there is. Is it Chris Claremont? Uh, yeah, Chris Claremont and um, John Byrne. Yeah, so um, they were really responsible for like the X Men as we know them. Like, yeah. even though Stanley created them. Yeah, was... I mean, if, you, if you've never read that Dark Phoenix arc, then you really should pick what, it up. What happens in Days of Future Past, Tom? Okay, well, Days of Future Past. Well, let me let me read a bit more from Brian Singer, and okay. then we'll, we'll discuss about Sorry. what happens in that. Yeah. So Matthew Vaughn Matthew Vaughan's definitely going to be directing it. Wicked. Um, and Days of Future Past. So what happens is it's it's set in an alternative future. And what happens is Kitty Pride, who is the character that um, Ellen Page played in X-Men 3, she's in the future, she sends her mind back uh, to a younger present day Kitty Pride. So that's like present day um, to warn the X-Men about a future event that's going to happen, which leads to this dystopian future. Okay, so uh, the, the in the dystopian future, all X-Men and mutants are being kept in, like, concentration camps, and there are sentinels across the country guarding all these X-Men. It's basically Terminator. Yeah, basically Terminator. But it does mean we're going to see sentinels on the big screen, which is going to be fucking awesome. Um, so, yeah, the sentinels are ruling the United States, and it is the assassination of Robert, uh, um, Senator Robert Kennedy... Uh, sorry, Robert Kennedy, Robert Kelly, that they have to prevent in order to um, prevent this dystopian future. So uh, there's separate timelines and it's alternate vision of the future. So obviously we asked Brian Singer whether or not that led could lead to uh, actors from the first X-Men films appearing in this one. So like Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart. Yeah, or um, yeah, Hugh Jackman, I guess. Um, 
and the other actors who played Cyclops, James Scott Marsden. James Marsden, yeah. Um, and he said, I think there's a strong desire to broaden out the universe. The X Men universe is every bit as uh, on it, every bit on its own as big as the Marvel universe. And I think that it's time to reach out and explore it and perhaps bring some connectivity between the films as Marvel has done so well. So obviously they've seen the what's success he, of the Avengers. About? What um, X Men universe is every bit as big as the Marvel Universe. It is part of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, it is part of the Marvel Universe, doesn't it? Makes sense. Um, And then we also went on to ask him whether or not he would consider directing any more X-Men films and he said he might. Uh, If the right version came along and they couldn't get Matthew or anyone else to do it, he would do it. Uh, He loves the actors. They're all awesome. He loves the universe. He always has done and I think about it all the time. So yeah, Yeah. he said that same thing to me about 18 months ago. Yeah. Um, so basically what we're saying is this could mean that old Magneto meets young Magneto. Yeah, well, oh, I don't know. Imagine if, that. I don't know if in the storyline, there there's no real crossover between the two storylines. They sort of happen be in parallel. It'll be inspired by this, won't it? It's yeah. not going to be a literal... That's, I think, you know, all, could, these, all these Marvel movies, they're, they're very best when they channel comic book storylines and they do their own thing that works on film with the way they've set it up. Yeah. So what, you know. We could be talking of a, a Godfather Part 2 sort of situation where you've got Robert De Niro in the in the past mm-hmm. playing. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, and then obviously you've got Ian That's McKellen really in the cool. future. And yeah, Jackman will have to be in it. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, well, he was a, in First Class, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he's... It's only a little cameo, though, It was a great cameo. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, that movie was great last year. Yeah, wasn't it? Are we going to see this before the Wolverine movie? No, because they're not shooting this till the end of the year, and I think Wolverine looks like it's already up and running. There's been some videos, and they're on set. Okay, is that a sequel to the other Wolverine movie? Well, I think it's not really acknowledging that one. It's not rebooting it, denying it, but I think it's doing its own. It's not a continuation story, right? It's all going to be set in Japan. It's just going to be very different. Sweet, it's like a one shot. Well, I guess this means if Matthew Vaughan's directing this. there's really no sign of Kick-Ass 2, is there, on the horizon? Um, keep up, Stewie. Kick-Ass 2 starts start shooting in a few weeks. <gasps> Different director. Matthew Vaughan's producing, and a guy called Jeff Wadlow is directing, mm-hmm. who we met at Kapow Comic-Con. He came down. I hope he's going to come in the office soon to have a chat about the, cool. the new casting. John Leguizamo's just been cast in it. Yeah. He's um, Red Mist's bodyguard. Have they cast Mother Russia yet? They haven't cast Mother Russia. They're trying that to is find an awesome role. I don't know if anyone's read Kick-Ass 2, but yeah, it's... Uh... It's quite a fearsome yeah. role. So Kick-Ass 2 will be next summer, I think. Sweet. Look yeah. forward to that. So do you think we'll see Ellen Page return, possibly, for Days of Future Past? Yeah. It'd be good, wouldn't it? It'd be nice. if, if the other actors are going to return, yeah. she, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, it'd be really good to see that. Mm. Stuart? Uh, yeah, now, uh, Star Wars, The Old Republic, uh, they've only got 12 people playing it now, apparently. <laughs> so uh, they've decided to scrap the idea of having to pay for it, and it's going to be free to play. Uh, if you want to play it, you'll be able to access all the story content for all the eight classes, and you'll be able to level a character all the way up to the current cap of 50, which is pretty good. Uh, but some content is going to be restricted, which you will have to pay for. So you can either pay, you can either still pay uh, a monthly subscription of fourteen ninety nine, or they're going to do uh, uh, some sort of in-game payment system called Cartel Coins, which is exciting news, isn't it? So it, they said it dropped <laughs> below a million subscribers. That's right. Mm. Uh, EA, it says here, cites choice as the reason for the Switch. Yeah. And BioWare GM Matt Bromberg said in an interview with IGN that the free-to-play decision is less about subscriber losses as much as it is the market. Whatever. Yeah, whatever, mate. Uh, so there you have it. Oh, it would you feel hard done by if you, you were there day one, part of that community, you you stumped up your cash, and then now it's free to play? I don't think so. I think you've got enough out of it. Yeah, time. I think so. I think if it's going free to play, then... You you would need that community. Yeah. Do you think you'll see this... This probably happened a lot with these MMOs. If they don't take off, and if they don't in their first six months turn into Warcraft... I think they're gonna. I think they're looking. They're getting to a point now where they will have to launch as free to play. Even even Peter Moore said that much. all games are going to go free free and to play freemium. soon. Freemium, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the this is the most expensive game ever developed. This took this has been in development at EA for yeah, like I've heard years. That the amount. Of di- I remember seeing a presentation before it came out, and they said the amount of dialogue and sort of narrative in that in that game is about akin to three hundred Star Wars novels. Wow, amazing. That's a lot. That's, yeah. That's I mean, it's tempt- It's got me interested in having a go myself, I think, now. Like, I yeah. will, I'll have a go at that. Yeah. Just Free, need a just laptop or computer that I can play it on if you're listening Alienware. So, <laughs> Alienware. So, Free's the future. Is it? Yeah. Timeout's going free. Is it? They announced today, really? yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be Tuesday. It's going to be handed out like shortlist. Really? Wow. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Well, only, only when I was, there, I was there five years ago, I, I was the film editor at Time Out, and we were talking about it then. I mean, it was just 
on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. IGN's going subscription based though. So yeah, and we, t- we, we, we it's going to be a magazine. Yeah, we're going to take down the website. Five pounds a month. Five pounds. We're going to photocopy the well, website. No, the first issue is one pound, and you get a little. T-Rex head but every subsequent issue is £20 and you have to to buy it you have to stop by the office and drop the the pound on my desk that's a great idea (laughs) issue 2 comes with a giant poster of Stuart Reid and the the handbag edition comes with a poster of Daniel Cooper so (laughs) brilliant So that's yeah. going free to play, uh, but we still have to pay for films at the cinema. It's rubbish. When are they going to start, start not charging us for movies? The, um, Pirate Bay did it a few years ago. Did they? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you, only, you, can, you can watch a movie, but you can only watch the top half. And then if you want to watch the rest, play, play <laughs> what it. What is it? I don't know about you. I don't, I don't pay for movies at the cinema. I watched Little Mermaid. <laughs> what, just watch the top half, Tom? Yeah. You yeah. had no idea it was Little Mermaid. Yeah. It's like, why does he not want her? Or you can go and... Why is she always swimming? You have to pay extra money to unlock different characters. So you've just got a person talking to her on their own. This was a weird movie. Imagine Fight Club with that. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense, yeah. Seven, you don't find out what's in the box. (laughs) Pay now. Oh. (laughs) Insert your coin into the box. Pardon me? (laughs) Uh, So we're going a bit crazy with Trade L Time by this. We've got two whole brilliant, amazing trailers to watch. Are we doing both of them? There's a look of shock and horror yes. in everybody's face. Well, yeah, it's quite a unique year this year, isn't it? The, ne- the next 12 months, we're going to see the 50th anniversary of Bond and Doctor Who. Yep. And this week, they've both released new trailers, so... And we're, we're British. S- yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so why it. not? Fuck you. There's no more Harry Potter, so... This is it. And we get it now. And we got the Olympics. <laughs> and we got the Olympics. Yeah, got Olympi- yeah. <laughs> yeah, world, jog on. <laughs> God save the Queen. What do you say about a man like that? Three months ago, you lost the drive containing the identity of every agent embedded in terrorist organizations across the globe. I made a judgment call. There isn't much road left. Take the bloody shot. She sent you after me, not when you're not ready, not when you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. The two survivors, this is what she made us. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. I've got a massive boner. Yeah. He is going to go He's and still not fuck shit up. He is. is. Isn't he? Doesn't Does that, that look great? Uh, Jimmy Bond. Everything about that looks great. Doesn't it? It's it looks just, beautifully so shot excited. as well. Like. I'm surprised yeah. you watched it because you don't really like trailers. No. But I had to write the news story uh, describing it that right. I embedded it in, so I had were no choice. You, were you disappointed that he gave so much away? Yeah, of course. I didn't want to know. I'm happy not to know any of that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can do a trailer without plot points in. Yeah. like because that, That's quite a major plot point. The fact that... Are we going to say it? Well... Well, go on then. That she's lost key information about agents embedded in various terror cells around the world. Ex- basically exposing MI6 agents. Yeah. And also that James Bond gets killed at the beginning. Um, obviously not killed, but he goes missing. Yeah. He goes off the chart, I guess. Um, which sounds very born to me, which, I mean, even the shot of him landing in the water felt, obviously he st- starts every film in the yeah. water, right? Yeah. Um, well, he's got a, they, they've got to up their game where it comes to the born stuff, haven't they? And uh, it looks like they're doing it. What's with all the coffins at the start? I know that was in the previous trailer, but... Well, we, it's either when the, the MI6 building blows up, yeah. so they either lose, then lo- the load of people die then, or it's when the agents get exposed. Yeah, because obviously in spy films, if, the, if, if cover's blown, then these people are dead, right? Yeah. One of my favourite things about the trailer is how much... It seems quite a bit of this movie will take place in London, yeah, mm. which is quite nice, because yeah. obviously Bond movies kind of frantically globetrot. It's quite that, nice that it's in London. That shot of him jumping down the escalator is just On the awesome. tube, yeah. or him running near um, Big Ben, or that shot of him on a rooftop. Yeah. yeah. I also think it's nice that Judy Dench is going to get more to do in this one, because, yeah. you know, she does, she does, she's great, but she sits in that office and just kind of tells him off and is a bit cheeky with him. and she's such sets a good, things in motion. Yeah, she's such a good actress. It'd be good to see her actually getting out there and Definitely. more involved. Will she pass the bat on to Ralph Fiennes? Rafe. Is that, right, sorry, Rafe. Because that's the rumour, isn't it? He's the new M. Mm. Well, there's no one heard that. Yeah, I, don't I, have, go, I have heard that mooted. I don't think we should go into too much detail, yeah. really, about no. it. And also, we've already got into loads. A great moment when 
He says Q. Yeah. Yeah. Double seven. The meeting. Of, when we post stuff about um, Ben Whishaw, though, is Q, a lot of people are very negative about the casting. I think, do you think they've got a very fixed image of Q in their mind? Like, yeah. It's such a... Doddery old Cause, man. Because Bond changed and he stayed the same. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think Ben Whishaw is a genius bit of casting. I love him as an actor. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Go and see Perfume if you haven't seen Perfume. Oh, you're kidding me, aren't you? I thought it was oh, great in I that. thought it was one of the worst films I've had to sit through. Watch The Hour, the BBC drama, because that is phenomenal. No, that's boring. <laughs> I know you didn't like sure, it. What, sure, what, what, what do you like? I like... Uh, do you like Doctor Who, Stu? Yes, I do like Doctor Who, which is quite a handy jump-off point for our second Tradel Time Bar this week, which is uh, all about the new series, Series 7 of Doctor Who. So, how much trouble are we in? You've got me. What are you waiting for? At long last, here I am! Dinosaurs on a spaceship. We're very cross with you. Fuck, You killed all the Daleks. Right. Did he actually say dinosaurs on a spaceship? Dinosaurs on a spaceship? I bet that's fucking right to Triceratops. That's boom, giving you an even boom. bigger boner, isn't it? It didn't they didn't look like dinosaurs. They looked like cartoons a little bit. Walking with dinosaurs. I was a bit disappointed oh. with the look of the dinosaurs in that. Maybe they haven't finished CG. Maybe the yeah, maybe. we know. I think with Doctor Who, it's, it's always the same, isn't it? It always looks a little bit ropey. It's never going to be like yeah. Hollywood standard. But um, I don't know. You were said an interesting point, Creeps, while we were watching it, that uh, it always looks really cinematic in the trailers, but then when you watch the the series itself, it's more shonky. Yeah, I always think the trailers of Doctor Who aren't really representative of the final tone of the show. Um, I like Doctor Who. I don't mind watching it. I'm not a f- big fan of Doctor Who like Tom, because I always feel like... I never watched it as a kid, so I don't feel a kind of nostalgic attachment to it. And I always think it could be better than it is. But I know part of the inherent character of the show is that it's quite silly at times. Yeah. And I like it when he's really serious and the stakes are really high and it's really dramatic. But then when he's all kind of irreverent and flippant, I just think it undermines all the kind of drama that you have. I think there is there is a certain amount of goodwill that goes with watching it if for, for a lot of people that it's given a, uh, a sort of a lot more leniency in terms of its quality. Well, but yeah, you're right. I, d- I didn't realise this was going to be such a Debbie Downer. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think, you know, for the majority of the last couple of, of, of series where which has featured him, they, they've been exceptionally good. They have been. Yeah, they I have think been. he's great. Uh, yeah, and I they have been. You know, and I, I, I think towards the end of, of um, oh, what's his name's tenure, I, I just gave up on it. I couldn't be bothered with it. I, his tenancy, I, you might say. Very good. Yeah, I, I didn't like him. I didn't like him either. I didn't like the fact I he thought, always used to stare like that uh, and he just got, talk oh, through his teeth. Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly. Yeah, he's just fake English accent as well. Yeah. Anyway, that's another point. <laughs> but there's yeah. a lot of people out there that do love him. But um, I, I, think, think, I think this fella's the best Doctor Who ever. So much and so I, and I lived through the Tom Baker era. And the John Pertwee era for that matter. Oh, I see. John per- I'd take John Pertwee over Tom Baker. Yeah. Oh, I think I agree with you. Yeah. But, um, but Weeping Angels, ba- baby Weeping Angels... But do you not think they're just resting on the fact that that episode was so acclaimed? Yeah. The, the weird thing is about that episode is that it was the most unwho of the episodes. It was like Doctor Who wasn't in it um, or hardly in it at all. Um, and it was really on its own, like standalone. Yeah. It worked as a horror story. It's almost, I almost compare it to like, a really, it was. It felt like a, one of those really great Buffy episodes where it's not Monster of the Week. Or yeah. It's, it's no, sorry it was kind of one of those great Monster of the Week episodes like the X-Files where it's not part of the overarching storyline yeah. which I think sometimes gets gets way too convoluted for you to jump onto but at the same time la- last season they brought back the Angels yeah. and I remember that episode being a bit it was a two-parter of, I seem to yeah, think it was, and, yeah. uh, so it was, it was it's great right. the, the arc of the story and it, it came was alright yeah but it was all to do with the silence wasn't it but um yeah, I think, well, as far as I know, the Weeping Angels are coming back for the finale of the season, which will happen before Christmas. And I think it's all tied in with the ponds, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. um, so they were voted the, the best uh, Doctor Who monsters ever recently yeah. in the Radio wow. Times poll. So I, I got a lot of abuse <coughs> when I said this last time, but I'm not a big River Song fan, so I was a bit disappointed to see she's showing up again. Yeah, I kind of thought that her story was done. Kind of why I, t- I sort of 
stop watching the last series because she was in it so much. River River Wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um But aside from that, it looks like fun. I'm yeah. really, really looking yeah. forward to it. I can't We're wait. We're jazzed for it. Yeah, really yeah. jazzed for it. You don't look jazzed for it. I'm indifferent. I'll watch it. I'll I'll give it another go. I'll give it a go every time. I do that as well. So I kind of dip in and out. Like some episodes I'll be like, get a bit So bored. it says autumn. Uh, and as far as I've heard rumours that it's going to be debut on August bank holiday weekend. Does that class as August, except as autumn? Or fall, if you're listening in America? Don't think so. No. So that rumour may be incorrect. Might be. Me, me, me. But it's, deb- it's debuting at the Edinburgh Film Festival. Uh, no, sorry, a TV festival. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, in August. So Do we know series, like, how long so. Amy's going to be in the new series for? Is it going to be... She is that, leaves what, the before break? Christmas, yeah. Could that the be break the is. dramatic break? Yeah, that's the break, yeah. And then we'll get the new assistant... Jenna Louise Coleman starts at Christmas, and then she's in for the rest of the, the second half of the series, okay. which is, is over next year. Jenna Louise Coleman, have we seen her before? She's in... She used to be in Emmerdale. Emmerdale, yeah. Right. She's, does she have a very small part in Captain America? Yeah, I don't know where though. She talks fast. She's the shield. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Would you like to see a different kind of assistant? Assistant. Assistant. You know, well, that's r- what I pushed than... him. I pushed Stephen Moffat on that when I spoke yeah. to him in, in April and he just wasn't interested in talking about it. Yeah, because I, I said, you know, could it be a guy? I think it'd be interested in like a older. robot or an alien, something that's not. What his kind of thinking is that there already is a guy assistant now. Yeah, Rory. Yeah, yeah it's Rory, and that he effectively is an assistant. Just you know, we don't see it that way because we're programmed to think that she's the only assistant that he's got. But yeah, I suppose there's some. I truth mean, he to that. always used to travel with two, and he has travelled with these two for quite a while now. I mean, there's mm. been episodes where they dip in and out, but um, yeah, I mean, if he's going back to one, it just seems more like Rose again. Uh, and obviously, I'd like to see him do something different. An alien, an alien race. Uh, yeah. They've done that before, but I think that'd be good. Another mm. Time Lord would be good. Um, it works in this, like, I suppose he's an alien, I guess. So maybe you need that more human character. Yeah, or even someone from another time. They've done that in the past. Have I've someone... heard rumours that could be the case with Jenna Louise Coleman. Yeah. She might be from sort of 19th century. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'll Do you think, that. will she be a Victorian steampunk? Oh, no, I've had enough of steampunk. Fuck steampunk. Can we watch? The, can we watch the Jeremy Kyle funniest lie detector ever? No. Next week is no. No. Okay. All right. But, uh, oh, go on. <laughs> it was good to see dinosaurs in that trailer. Uh, have we got any more dinosaur news this week? Well, there's a f- funny little story that's emerged from um, down under. There's a notorious Australian businessman called Clive Palmer, and he's been said to that he's trying to recreate. Jurassic Park <laughs> with, <laughs> in Australia and this story comes from um, Business Insider and which we which we all we subscribe all subscribe to, to yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I pay a pound for that every week and he's contacted the people who successfully cloned Dolly the Sheep <laughs> and he's asking them to work their same magic using dino DNA is it April the 1st? no um, and apparently this isn't Clive Palmer's only kind of outlandish project. He also wants to make a 21st replica, century replica of the Titanic. This guy sounds amazing. Yeah. I don't see More why. people like this. He's I a don't mad see why not. Did you see the bloke last week who's, who's made a Noah's Ark? Is that Darren Aronofsky? Is no, he making the movie? No, no. <laughs> Is a, it Bruce Almighty? There's a, there's a, there's a fella in, well, the I, think it's, I think it's Norway or somewhere like that, and he spent the last six years, him and like half a dozen mates, just, and they've just built a fucking great Noah's Ark. Why not? Enormous. Does, he, like know, this, does he know something we don't know? It's like the size of six football pitches or well, something. It was raining for quite a long time yeah. in June. Uh, so. true. Did not get the memo. Did not get the memo. No. So... so <laughs> Are we going to so, be visiting Jurassic Park in five years' time? Is this, this isn't doable, is it? Surely oh, this is not viable. Well, they did it in the films. Well, so. you, you watched the introductory cartoon. Yeah. With, Are there not some ethical laws against doing this? And, and also just... It's some probably very, not in Australia. They get away with everything. And so, so, also with some more pressing concerns that do we want a fucking dinosaur running around? Like Life will find yeah. a way. Australia's pretty big. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? What happens down those days? They've got there? a lot of yeah. rabbits down there. They need to sort it out. Right. I'd start watching Neighbours if they had dinosaurs in it. Velociraptor. <laughs> oh, there's a Velociraptor loose in Lasseter's. <laughs> Alf will sort it out. So you think the best way to come back 
like rampant rabbits is some velociraptors out in the world rabbits rabbits. (laughs) rabbits. kangaroos almost look like do you know uh, what a rampant rabbit is I do now (laughs) (laughs) so childish Yeah, that's the best way to combat that. That's it. Maybe they maybe they're gonna meld the DNA of a kangaroo with a velociraptor and have a bouncing velociraptor. How terrifying would that be? Well he's be? contacted Dr. Moreau and he's Velociru. Velociru. Yeah. <gasps> Let's get on Photoshop. <laughs> You've got it's, Tom, your list of photoshops today is growing. Oh my god. Well this is the best news. Josh I mean, if this comes off <laughs> It's not gonna come off. Well, it's not great if to happen, it does, Tom. Tom I'm, 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 so all right, so Tom. Knowing Jurassic Park as well as you do as a movie, yeah. would you go to said Jurassic yes. Park? Would you really yes. go? Dinosaur tennis? You mental? You know, L- like when Richard flume. Branson first said he was going to send people to space on a yeah. commercial? This is that moment. I'm, I'm booking my ticket now. You're an idiot. <laughs> I'm not. I think it'd be all right. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be, it'll be, it'll, it'll fail. He'll have lost like a billion dollars. And so what you'll see, he'll have basically put fluorescent disco paint onto an iguana (laughs) (laughs) that's what you'll be looking at oh look at it I'd still go just for the merchandise I have a picture with a a big iguana the trouble is his logo whenever he does this his logo is not going to be as cool as the Jurassic Park logo there's no way it could be well you could get the guy who did the London 2012 Olympics that would work well wouldn't it yeah fuck me yeah I like that logo so um, no, you don't. Nobody likes the 2012 logo. Really well, talking? I do. So no, you don't. You can't. <laughs> no, you it's don't. not possible. How can you like that? How can you like that logo? It's iconic. It's moronic. It's iconic. Remember what the Beijing 2012 Olympics uh, logo looked like? No, no, exactly. But I remember the Mexico 71, and that's amazing. Bullshit. Um, what was the? What was his point about this talking point? Well, it's basically, Tom, it was a segue into a question. If you could get an eccentric billionaire to recreate anything from a movie, what would you get them to do? Ooh, it's a good question. Some really obvious ones, I guess, that people have been clamouring for for ages, like the hoverboard. Yeah. Because that would be a lot cheaper than a Jurassic Park, wouldn't it? You'd like to think. Possibly. I would take a time-travelling DeLorean over the hoverboard. Totally. Same movie. Just go back to be last honest, week, do the lottery, come back. Fuck me, you've paid for the it. The thing is, out of those movies, the thing I probably won, they kind of made, but it was a bit too expensive. It was the self-tying night trainers. Mm. Yeah, or the jacket. Or the, the sleeves. Yeah. Quite like the almanac. The almanac. <laughs> it's one of the movie props. They've just, it's just been released. You can go pick it up now. It's fine. <laughs> Particularly as I'd never heard the word almanac before I saw it. <laughs> like, what is this magical thing? And then everyone was using it that Futuristic year. Futuristic word. <laughs> it, right, it's mine. Power loader. Really? Ooh, okay. Use that around the office. Yeah. What for? Just printer copies. P- pretty much, yeah. Just to throw the printer out the window and it breaks again. Fair enough. Yeah. What used to? What about in Blade Runner? You know, that device where he puts the photo in the machine and then he can look all around the photo and look around corners and stuff like that. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, I thought you said. Oh, I thought you were going to say a female robot. Well, yeah. yeah. Obviously. Duh. Can't you get those already? Two of them. Yeah. What? High five. Um, and a dodo. I don't know any films that have dodos in it, but I'd just like to see a dodo, wouldn't you? Pirates in an adventure with scientists. So I've got, got a dodo. dodo in it, yeah. Don't you want to see a dodo? I was going to say a dodie, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should we move on? Yeah, I've ended it. Now, this week, um, Sight and Sound released. Teleporter. <laughs> Sorry, that's my last point. Yeah, I'm like a teleporter. But one you saw the fly. Tom, what? Oh, yeah. well. so we can get in there with you. Can- with kangaroo. So I can bounce Whoa. around everywhere. You get in there with a kangaroo. Or a, ca- a velociraptor, and then I could be part man. Okay, part okay. you see the iced tea kangaroo <laughs> from the Tank Girl movie. That would be funny. That's everybody's uh, uh, Photoshop challenge this week. If you want to send in a picture of Tom in a time machine uh, with a velociraptor, kangaroo-opter. Yep. Right? Uh, IGNUKFeedback.IGN.com. Everyone's just going, too much work. Too, too much, much work. work. Too much work. Yeah. Didn't bother. And especially if you could animate it and make a really cool five-minute-long animation. Oh, yeah, low barrier of entry there. So. Yeah. Sight and Sound this week, it's a magazine here in the UK. Uh, they, it's, a, it's a movie magazine, but it's really up its own ass. It's and uh, It's a very serious one. It lists the number of feet that a film is. is, it, is it's it, 6,312 is it feet. I thought you'd it, love that, Stu. No, I hate that Is shit. it part of the BFI? I think it, so, yeah. It, yeah, I didn't know it was actually, but it is. And anyway, this week they listed, uh, they put in a list of uh, the greatest films ever made. Um, they do this every 10 years, actually. Right. A lot of places do this since, every 10 years, don't since they? Since 1962. 
Yeah, we do it every few months. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the pub. Best beer. films with dinosaurs in and the top 100. So they, they've done two, though. I mean, they've done a critics one and a director's one. Yep, always do that as well. Yeah, so which critics and which directors have they asked? How many? Um, the critics, are 846 critics they quizzed. Were you um, asked? Did they ask you? No. Hmm. Um, Otherwise, hmm. what would have made the list? Um, Back to the Future 1, 2 and 3. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend of Bernie's 2. And the filmmakers, Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, Francis Coppola, Woody Allen. And about 350 others. Yes. Yeah, okay. So do we? how do we want to do this? Do you want to, should we read the critics' top 10 first in reverse order? <laughs> if you like. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, or we, no, we'll just do the top five, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. So number five is uh, F.W. Murnau's Sunrise, a song for two humans. Hands up if you've seen that. 1927 silent movie, so probably not target audience. No, not really. Le Red Leisure uh, from uh, Renoir, 1939 movie is number four. You seen that? That's the rules of the game, isn't it? I saw it many years ago. I can't remember much about it. Tokyo Story, uh, 1953 is at number three. Who's seen that? I've um, seen that. Yeah, yeah and? But ages ago. I can't remember. Uh, was it a good story? I think I preferred the Kurosawa ones I watched around the similar time. Fair enough, because they had more swords and. I prefer the one with the Godzilla in. Yeah, Godzilla. Uh, number two is Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. Surprisingly, number two because uh, historically that is always number one in any of these lists. Well, lists. since 1962, it's top yeah. this list. Yeah, who's seen Citizen Kane? Me. Well done, everybody. Tom's putting up his hand, and so is Chris. Yeah, you can't tell that on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> Which means the number one film voted by the critics in this list is. Hitchcock's Vertigo from 1958. Who here has seen Vertigo? Me. Me. Who here thinks it's the greatest film ever made? No. No, I don't. I think it's it's up there. I don't even think it's Hitchcock's best. It's not Hitchcock's best. I agree with you entirely. And there's not another Hitchcock movie in that top ten. No. Well, I think uh, it's probably, it's more of a, is it a critic's movie, do you think? Well, does that necessarily mean it's not a very entertaining movie then? Why? Why is it? A, why is a critics movie different from any other sort of movie? Because we're all up our own arses. Is it because they're they're appreciating sort of things that a kind of more standard audience wouldn't well, entertain? Duality, you know, but maybe things like lighting, mise en scène, that sort of thing. How tasty the popcorn was. Good point, well go. made. Well, we had we had an email actually from uh, Ryan Besgrove. Uh, it's a very good email. It's quite long. Um, but yeah, let me let me pull out a little bit. He says, so my question to you is this. If the consensus of the cinema intelligentia don't regard anything post 50 years old to be worth noting in this list, then has there been any films in the past 50 years that have advanced cinema as a medium? If we're not moving forward, then surely we are moving backwards. I think it's quite damning that in that top 10 by the critics, there's nothing, what, past the 60s? 68, I think. 68, 68 is the newest movie. Yeah, that's 2001, 2001 Space So Odyssey. like kind of the whole kind of Francis Ford Coppola, Scorsese movement of what, like, New America. Hang on, where's Apocalypse Now? I know, I know. That's in the filmmakers. So the director's one, yeah. do you want to read that one out? Because that's quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's uh, from, read all 10, I reckon. Yeah, I, th- I think so. So uh, number 10 is Bicycle Thieves, uh, 1948. Um, never seen that. I, I feel bad. Tarkovsky is at number uh, nine with uh, Mirror. Now that's I've seen a couple of Tarkovskys, but I haven't yep. seen that one. Me too. Yeah, I've seen Solaris. I love his version of Solaris. Yeah, I really do. It's really, good. really do. Uh, it's joint number seven of uh, Vertigo. So uh, directors say it's number seven, along with uh, The Godfather from 1972. More Francis Ford Coppola. Apocalypse Now is next up, 1979. Then the top five is like this: Taxi Driver, Scorsese's Taxi Driver from number uh, from 1980 is number five. Fellini's Eight and a Half follows that and then a joint number two position Citizen Kane unsurprisingly and 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, but the number one is Tokyo Story we need to go buy this I need to, we, need to, <laughs> we ought to watch it I guess do an IGN screening yeah that's not a bad idea um, so again not too many recent films uh, was it Taxi Driver is the most recent film in that list yeah I mean does it take time though for people to uh, sometimes do you think it's hesitancy nobody wants to you know, yeah, because I mean, uh, you know, when Citizen Kane came out, it it, it got panned. Oh, Apocalypse um, Now got Apocalypse panned. Now got yeah. panned. Taxi Driver didn't get great reviews. Yeah. Uh, the Godfather did, but but yeah. So Charlie's think, Angels two full throttle. Sometimes set. it takes time though, yeah. doesn't it, for these films? Well, to you be... need historical perspective because sometimes things are like incredibly popular, well received, kind of fade away. Even like in recent years, I know this is not the kind of movie that would get onto these lists, but I even remember like certain movies when they come out incredibly well received, but then once there's a bit of critical distance. 
like Superman Returns when that came out. I remember mm. it getting five star reviews. Well, I tell you, a good example of, of that is Dance with Wolves. Yeah, it swept the Oscars. It got five star reviews across the board. Yeah. No one talks about that. Who watches now. that anymore, really? I mean, Goodfellas came out the same year, and that's the one that yeah. was re- yeah. is remembered from that year. Shouldn't Goodfellas be in this top ten? Yeah, well, I mean, so Ryan was asking what films of recent years, and I was just thinking about some that I think maybe with time, that these aren't particular favourites of mine, but I think would be on lists yeah. like this. Um, I thought Memento was a really interesting, like if you're going to have Hitchcock on there, yeah, yeah. Um, There Will Be Blood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which I didn't personally like, but I know. I think I love it. It's probably my favourite um, from the last 10 years. Goodfellas, I, I said. Um, I thought Children of Men, if we're going to do for a, a genre movie, yeah. I think that one could, I think that one's reputation will grow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll ever make a top ten of these lists, but I think you're right. It's a film wh- whose reputation will grow definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Toy Story one, two, and three. Yeah. I think one day that'll start hitting these lists. Well, maybe not the top ten, but I just. But so, so you think in the ten, twenty years, you might start seeing something like Blade Runner appear on this list. Yeah. Surely, yeah, yeah. You should do. Um, but you think there's also quite a he- hesitancy? I know there's a few crime movies on the director's top ten, but if you look, go back to the critics. There's very few kind of what you term genre movies. There's Searchers and Space Odyssey. The rest are more kind of standard drama, Mm -hmm. more sort of like genre neutral kind of. What what, what would make everyone's top of their own personal list? I think The New World for me would definitely, definitely be on there. Terrence Malick. Yeah, I just think it's an incredible film. Just love it. Uh, we t- mentioned Goodfellas. I love I love every minute of Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. I think it combines all the best elements of cinema. Great. I'm going to plump for Apocalypse now because mm. it's 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 been at the t- near the top of my own personal list for a very very long time. So Apocalypse and, and it's different as well. Sometimes your personal favourites isn't what you would yeah. consider the ten best films ever yeah, made. No. Even too. your favourite film, you wouldn't say it's the best film. No, even with the most kind of roast into glasses, it's just a film that resonates with you, isn't it? Yeah. I noticed. Am I right in saying there's no there's no comedy in this top ten at all? No, in either of them, and that's I think comedy is probably is probably out of all the genres is hardest to get a kind of historical grasp on, isn't it? Because it, I, I don't know if it, it maybe comedy doesn't necessarily age that well. But then saying that, you go back and watch something like Duck Soup, and you, and you, you'd still have a lot of belly laughs from that. It's a weird genre, though, isn't it? I think the funniest film I ever saw, and it's the first viewing of it was Borat. I think that's the film that's made me laugh the most of any film. Yeah. I wouldn't put that on any list. Mm. Yeah. And it's shit the second time you watch it. <laughs> but um, what about something like um, uh, With Nell and I? I mean, you know, as a, as a film, it's not just a comedy, it's a drama as well, towards the end, especially. But you know, it, would that not be on a list like this, do you not think? Nobody agreeing with me, no? But this is the, the elite of the elite, isn't it? I think if you were doing a list of comedies, it might. I don't know. It's hard to get the balance right between different types of films, isn't mm. it? It's all, the, all these conversations are fun, but absolutely reductive about cinema so yeah it's just like, a bit of fun I guess I mean uh, it, it's worth mentioning about the greatest games of all time I mean do you think there's going to be a point in in the next 10-15 years where people will definitively say there's X a list the best game ever made yeah I mean how soon do you think that will start happening I know obviously we do we did greatest lists. gaming moments didn't we earlier on this year um and I wonder if we were to go back and revisit those in in five years' time, whether or not that would be... Because you can have so many different, different types of games. Yeah. Even these, even though we're talking about different genres of movie, they still kind of adhere to a similar template of what yeah. a movie is, a, a very centralised notion of what a movie is. Yeah. Whereas games, it's, it's coming more and more diffuse. Yeah, I mean, if you look at playing Drop 7 compared to Star Wars The Old Republic... Or Bioshock and Mario. Yeah. Like it's whether is is it narrative focused or whether it is actual gameplay focused. What you're doing is it about puzzle solving? Is it about platforming? Is it yeah. about being part of a? Do, a, th- do you think that the movie? playing field is too too vast to be able to have a definitive list like that? Um, no, because I still think people will make that list. Yeah, but it will be it will, it will result in us in ten years' time having this conversation about a gaming list. Yeah. yeah. Um, once again, uh, do let us have your feedback on this. feedback at IGN.com. We'd love to know what you think uh, about those lists. And we'd love to know, you know, let us have your top five or top ten movies as well, because it'll be quite interesting to know that stuff. 
Right, um, next up is Reader FU. I think, Tom, you have the first bit. Yes, um, this is going back to James Bond films. So um, this is Chris from Toronto. Hello, Chris. He says, my wife has only ever seen the James Bond films featuring Daniel Craig. Uh, he would like to know if we can recommend a Bond film with Sean Connery, a Bond film with Roger Moore, and a miscellaneous Bond film not featuring Connery, Moore, or Craig. So um, a Bond film with Sean Connery, what would you go for, Stu? Never say never again. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go for Doctor No because I don't think it's a particularly good film. To be honest. No, with you. I think it's quite. It's quite dull. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I go. Stride, I, they? I think I go for Thunderball. Thunderball's good. Got a jetpack. Yeah. Thunderball's, Thunderball's great. Yeah. I would say Thunderball over um, golfing. Although my personal favourite is from Russia with Love. Yeah. But, um, I was going to say Russian. Yeah. Love. yeah. But I think you can't go wrong with Thunderball. For more. Oh, I know. It's got to be Live and Let Die. Yeah, well, I would have gone for Spy Who Loved Me for the intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to say my more one because it's embarrassing. Moonraker. It's uh, A View to a Kill because it was my first proper Bond movie, and I, I can watch it and watch it, but it's shit. So, so what are we saying for more? Um, I say Spy Who Loved Me, but and what uh, did you say? Live and Let Die. Is Live and Let Die mm. with Jane Seymour. Yeah, and the Voodoo. car, the and aquatic, the, the aquatic car. Mm. Yeah. Is that in that? No, I don't think he's got an aquatic car in that. Which one? It? Which one has the underwater? Spy, Spy Love Me. Spy right. Love Me, yeah. yeah. And he says miscellaneous Bond film, but I think you're doing a disservice to Lazenby, Brosnan and um, Dalton That's by not recommending What's the any best Lazenby Bond? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually personally think On a Majesty's Secret Service is one of the best Bond films well, there is. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. asking what's the best one of the rest, though. Like, well, there you go. Right. Just, well, it's just like an even spread. Well, like once, once. On, on a Majesty's Secret Service, I would definitely go for. Um, both the, the Lazenby ones are really good. And Golden GoldenEye is great fun. And GoldenEye, yeah. It's really good fun, yeah. Yeah. You know, we all think of like Casino Royale really gave Bond like a new lease of life, but Goldeneye did. It yeah. did, yeah. yeah. Same yeah. director as well. Yeah. So next bit of feedback. Uh, this is from Darius. It's been a while since uh, I, I've written in as work in the labs has been rather heavy, but the dissing of muddle, muggle Quidditch has had me up in arms. I am proudly the Keel University muggle Quidditch team mascot, a hulking great broom riding, wand wielding squirrel. Keele University won the first ever Quidditch match against Leicester and it was uh, on the BBC News. Quidditch is a perfect excuse for getting plastered and tackling hot girls to the ground. We ought to tell Tilly that. He's just left the room. I think he's going to get what? his broom. So it's it's mixed then? Well, yeah. Well, I didn't know that, did you? I thought Quidditch was Would just... Would you play Quidditch, Tom, if you knew it was mixed genders? It's not real. It's not... Yeah, but... It, well, can... no, it is not real. real. It is real. It's not real. It is real. Not real. Would you like to... Okay. What if, what if we plastered that crappy 2012 logo all over it? Would you play it then? Watch it. I'd watch it. <laughs> Would you like to see it as an Olympic sport? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Any more feedback? Not real. Thanks for that, Darius. Right. This goes back. We were talking about the Olympics on last week's podcast, and we were debating on how fast Sonic actually is. And it was a little bit of a contentious subject. Um, Nathan Long's written in, and he says, I'm sure that Sonic is meant to be going at the speed of light. Because if something goes the speed of light, something to do with the particles in the air, yeah, it makes the object go blue in colour. So that's mm. Nathan from CERN. Thank yeah. you, Nathan. From CERN? Yeah. Is he actually from CERN? No. Sa- that oh. sounded very scientific it's very, to me. Yeah. That would be cool, though. He's talking about neutrinos and things going blue, yeah. Did you Have you mentioned putting Sonic in the Large Hadron Collider and see what happens? You get a gold particle. Would you? That's how you're going to get a it. A chaos particle. Mm. An egg particle. Chaos ring. It'd be a chaos ring. Oh, he's so You're happy. so pleased with Look how happy there. he is. Anyway, the next one is from Scott Mackey. I think that Sonic can run at the speed of sound, mm. but he chooses not to because of all the different platforms he has to jump onto. And so, you know, he's a nice guy, so his friends can keep up with him. Brilliant. Mm. Okay. So he just chooses not to. Can. Just going to choose not to. I think you missed out a, a very glaring uh, measuring tool that you could use. He he runs past palm trees in Green Hill Zone, so all you'd have to do is measure a palm yeah, tree. Yeah, but the, big... no, we we talked about this, but then we were just like, what is the scale of Sonic? That's what I'm saying. He's like human size because he's yeah. Like... We said well, this. Is what I said I said this on last week's podcast. You measure the length of the level, yeah, and then you you record a time, and it's a very standard, very simple speed distance time triangle. Yeah, can we be bothered to do that? Well. Scientists you out do there. it, Stuart. You I'm do not it. doing it. I'm Please busy. Do Please do it. Uh, let's have more feedback when you want to. IGN UK <laughs> feedback at IGN.com is good. Or maybe make it for the moment where you really don't want to and then send yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, the, the, there's the Facebooks and Twitters as well. Tw- um, IGN 
Yeah, uh, IGN UK, come yeah. and find us. Come play. What's out this week, anything? Well, some games out with Stuart for a change, which mm. is quite nice. And the first one is the first title in Microsoft's Summer of Arcade, which yeah. is usually a pretty good sort of source of gaming frivolity during the summer. Brilliant. Hence the title. Yeah. And the first title is Deadlight, which we gave an 8.5 to, which Ooh. is great on the IGN metric. Which is kind of it's kind of a cool side scrolling platformer set in the eighties. It's got zombies. It's kind of in silhouette, a little bit like limbo. But it's supposed to be really good. I haven't played it yet. And then um Risen Two Dark Waters is coming out on consoles. It came out on PCs early in the year and we gave it a six point five, which is kind of meh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Bit shonky in places, but mm-hmm. if you like pirates. Well, I know yeah. who's Daniel Kilby's I'm well excited for that game. He is, yeah. Because um, he loves islands. He loves islands. He loves pirates. And he, he loves playing his PlayStation. Yeah. So yeah. it ticks all his boxes. Dark Waters. Good. Do you want to know what films are coming out this week? Yes. Go on, then. The, on the paper it says Brave, but I don't think that's out. Oh. So I won't say that. But Ted is out today. Woo! Well, if if you're listening on Wednesday IMD, last yeah. week with the time machine. Um, so Ted is out. That's the Mark Wahlberg, um, Seth MacFarlane movie. Yeah. Which is totes hilarious. Um, it's really I would good. recommend it I think it's the funniest film I've seen this year definitely yeah it's up there with like Chris was saying with Borat in terms of belly laughs when I first saw it so and that's about it really there's a Chinese film with uh, Christian Bale so if you want more Bale in really? your life yeah called Flowers of War by Z- uh, Zhang Jinmu and it's a Chinese state funded film which sounds a bit ominous to me fair enough Mm. Okay, well that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Uh, do we have anything to plug? We do. Um, there is more Kid Icarus stuff happening uh, this week. Uh, there's an event taking place this Saturday at Game in the Birmingham Bullring. So if you're in the Birmingham area, head down there between twelve uh, in the afternoon and four in the afternoon. Take your 3DS with you, and you can take on the Kid Icarus experts, uh, to, and you can compete to win tickets to the next IPL event in Las Vegas. Vegas, baby. Wow. Check that out. And also, we're giving away Nintendo eShop vouchers and a 3DS XL, and all you need to do is tweet us uh, your tips uh, and advice for weapon fusing within Kid Icarus Uprising. Uh, tweet at IGN UK, including the hashtag Kid Icarus Tips, and you could win 15 quid's worth of eShop vouchers or a 3DS XL. Sweet as. Thanks for listening everybody uh, rate us on iTunes we'll have five stars thanks very much and if you enjoyed this uh, write in and let us know if you didn't enjoy it well just don't bother listening again we'll see you next week for IGN UK podcast number 149 until then goodbye Bye. 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 see you later